Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. A relatively quite week this week in Dubai, not many huge events as usual and people are definitely taking some downtime and summer holidays in June but business is uh, going on as usual. Uh, there have been new regulation from Mohri, the Ministry of Human Resources, about amortization uh, for SMEs now and there's been the, the regular sort of startup announcements, a company called Revive who recycle mobile phones, they announced a 2.3 million dollar raise uh, so there's a lot of activity still taking place uh, this week's interview is all about holiday homes and property management for holiday homes we've had similar interviews in the past uh, there was one with Maison Privé that you might check out if you like this one please do enjoy the conversation Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. With us today is Vinayak Matani, uh, the CEO of Dubai-based B&B Me, B&B Me, uh, a luxury and holiday home rental company he co-founded with his wife Shilpa in Dubai in 2018. They now employ 70 people and they manage over 150 properties. So good morning, Vinayak. Good morning. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Richard. For those who are only listening and can't see, you've got a big, bright yellow B&B jersey. That's our Friday uniform, so everybody in the company wears our football jersey on a Friday. We sponsored a team last year, so we took it over from that. It looks like it is a football jersey. Is Is that the team's jersey, or is that your company jersey? No, well, it's the team's jersey, but now every employee that joins us, we give it to them with a number on their back. So the number of employees, the number they are in the company, that's what they wear. I love that. That's a really creative uh, welcome gift. That's really nice. Yeah. Which team did you sponsor? It was a kids, it was a, one of my kids' soccer teams in the local leagues. Oh, so very I good. sponsored the jerseys for them. That's quite cool. Yeah, it's like got that logo <laughs> as well. So yeah, so tell us a bit about it, the company. Yeah, so look, uh, I, I, I've been in hospitality for since 2005. Uh, I used to run a business which was um, hotel supplies across the Middle East and India. Uh, we supplied about 180 odd hotels, luxury hotels in the region. So we understood the hospitality trade, you know, from pre-setup and operations of a hotel. What did you supply them? Um, all the luxury items that went into a room. So we used to say anything, if you turn a hotel room upside down, anything that falls out, you could buy from us. Anything you can take home with you in anything. your bag, yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't take the pillows and, and, and duvets home, but uh, yeah. we supplied that. And we represented... Uh, probably the top brands globally. I mean, our soap and shampoos were manufactured in the US and Europe. Um, Our pillows and duvets were manufactured in Poland and Germany. Uh, Linen was manufactured in Jordan and and America, so, and and France. So we we represented some of the top brands. Um, And in about 2015 or 16, um, we had a property on the Palm, which my wife and I owned privately. And uh, we had a long-term tenant staying there. And I think it was the month of April or May, the tenant, just before renewing the contract, they were going to renew, 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 stayed for a month and then disappeared. We walked in and the apartment was empty and they were gone. Um, and of course, back then in May, you're not going to get a long-term tenant on the palm. What, so, what, why not then? Um, it, was, it was a tough market, right? Yeah. I mean, if you go back five years, six years, 
uh, the market it wasn't the real estate market wasn't what it, what it was like today the demand wasn't there mm. um, so we had we had a choice of saying let's leave it empty over the summer and we had to invest a lot of money because the apartment was in a really bad state the tenant was living there for I think three years and she really destroyed it she didn't take care of it at all um, and uh, my wife said hey listen why don't we turn it into Airbnb for the rest of the year and see what what happens there was no law or rules for Airbnb back then in Dubai. And uh, we said, you know what, let's do it. We threw a little bit of money behind it. When, it, when IKEA did it up, refurbished it, you know, cracked the, the paint, repainted it and all that kind of stuff. And um, we made double of, uh, in, the, in the six months we did what we would have done long-term rent in the year. And the next year, um, when during Ramadan, we upgraded the entire apartment with better furniture and we doubled our, our, our income. Um, and uh, it was doing really well. And then we put another property of ours on, on the market, and that did really well. Then some friends asked us, hey, listen, can you do it for us as well? We said, okay, you know what, might as well. We're doing it for ourselves. We'll do it for you. And all of a sudden, it became a business, and then COVID hit. So, so our hotel supply business got closed down because all the hotels closed. Um, but because of our relationships with the GMs of the hotels, we had, I think, about 30 properties in, in Dubai um, pre-COVID. Um, the GMs didn't know what to do with their guests, right? Because they had to close down. So they lent their guests to us because they couldn't leave Dubai either, the guests, because the airports were closed. Wow. So all of a sudden we were full. Everyone else was struggling for, for, for occupancy and we were full for, for eight months. So that's, that really helped us. That's amazing. So at the time, was it a business? We started it as a business in 2018. Yeah. And that was a challenge in itself because... Um, Dubai government didn't understand what we were doing. So we had to really explain them the concept and how to get a trade license. And there were rules and, and, and regulations and challenges that you can only get a trade license if you do this, 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 and this, which is now all eased out. But um, so it was tough to get the trade license. We were one of the first companies. It's eased out or there's, because there's regulation for Airbnb now, isn't there? Yes. As, a, as yeah. an individual yeah. and as a company. So how do you categorize your company? It's a hospitality type no, holiday. We're, we're a holiday homes management company and um, there's regulation for that now. In Dubai. Okay. Um, um, I'd like the regulation to be a lot stronger because anybody and everybody can open one up, uh, which is not great for the industry. Um, but uh, just circling back to 2018, when we went to open a bank account, the bank account said there's not a business. And we said, what do you mean it's not a business? They said, why would anyone take an apartment and rent it out daily? It makes no sense. So the bank refused to open a bank account for us. So <laughs> we had to meet with the higher authorities and say, listen, guys, this is what our business plan is. This is the numbers we're doing. What do you want us to do? So yeah. then they finally opened up, a, opened up a business account. That's really good. It's, there's so many nice things about that. A, that you know, you're clearly entrepreneurial since you're running the hotel supplies, but another business can kind of grow organically and then you can uh, help shape the sort of regulation and industry around that. Well, we, we, we got really involved in, with Dubai Tourism and helping them um, shape the regulation when MR came out and all of a sudden said they want to stop holiday homes operating in Dubai. And uh, I have to give credit to the Dubai government and Dubai Tourism in, in, in particular because they supported us. I mean, MR really went out to put us close, close all the holiday home companies down. And Dubai Tourism stood by us and said, you know what, this is a real legitimate business. And legislation then came out with, from uh, the Dubai Economic Department, which now says that no developer can stop somebody from operating unless it's in an SPA. So the regulation is pretty clear now. And, and is it a capital-intensive business? Of those 
uh, you know, 150 properties now. Uh, do you own them or do you manage them, you manage them for people? And what's the process around that? If I have a home and I wanted uh, to put it through you, what, what's the process? Yeah, so so we, as a business, we don't own any of the prob- properties. As, uh, as individuals, my, between my wife and I, we own some of our real estate, but that's a personal Separate. investment. Um, and our business does A to Z. So if, if, if we help investors identify the property, we help them purchase the property through our relationships with brokers. We work very closely with them, so we get very good deals. We have our own interior design team, so we'll help furnish it for you as well. Um, and then we'll manage the entire business f- from putting it on online, getting the guests to come stay there, managing the guests to stay there, from the guests leaving, maintaining the property and keeping it up to shape, uh, collecting the money and then paying you guys out. Okay. So, and, that, and, so, and to do that... Uh, well, there's m- many ways I could ask this, but so the, the 70 people that you do now, that you employ, manage that whole process. So uh, they take on new people, they do all the regulation documentation around that, and then they manage their guests as they come and go. Well, yeah, and we also clean all the apartments and maintain them ourselves as well. Yeah. So 150 apartments, you can imagine if you've got 50 checkouts in a day, you have to clean 50 apartments, you need a lot of manpower to do that. Yeah. Um, and we like to do that in-house because we don't want to compromise on our quality. My, my business's focus and my, our BNBMEs, I guess, differentiated between everybody else's, we're purely focused on guest review scores. You know, we, we have the highest review scores in Dubai at the moment. And, where, and do you do it on Airbnb or have you built your own platform? We have our own platform. We do it on Airbnb. We do it on Booking.com. I mean, we, we put it on any online travel agent there is. We do offline travel agencies. We're partners with American Express. Quintessentially, we work with multiple concierge companies, um, travel agents all over the world, uh, uh, relocation companies, corporates. I mean, we, we deal with it. We deal with anybody who's looking to have somebody stay in Dubai. And uh, how do you man... Which... Uh, fills most of your properties, which of those that you spoke about? So the largest individual contributor is our repeat and direct business. Um, uh, we have very high numbers of repeat guests or referrals coming through, so that's probably the largest contributor for us. And then the OTA market, so Airbnb, Booking.com, Expedix, and, and so on. And the direct business is obviously more profitable because you don't have the fees, but... The direct business is the most profitable for the property owner as well and for us because it's repeat guests, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still a cost of the marketing to bring them back, but uh, we get to sell it at a higher price and give them more, more values and more services. Okay, and um, yeah, so, so you, how do you run it then? Is it like from your background uh, in the hotel supplies business, do you have an office? Is everyone coming in? Are you managing all all the numbers and data each month? Are you, are you yeah. building it out like that? Yeah, so we have 2,000, we have two offices, two of 2,000 square feet each. Uh, one is a back office based out of India, where the HR, the revenue, reservations, marketing, finance, accounts, and all the support services sit. Smart. And then we have an office over here in Dubai, just down the road from here in JVC, uh, of about 1,800 square feet, where the operations team and the management sits, the leadership team. Yeah, uh, we, 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 manage, we, we manage the business in three countries. So we have about 150 properties in Dubai. We just started Riyadh. Uh, this is the first announcement that we have properties in Riyadh. Um, so yes, wow. we, are, we are in Saudi, everybody. Amazing. Um, we have 15 properties over there, and we're looking to grow to about 100 um, by this time next year. And uh, we have properties in Goa and uh, Uttaranchal in India. And that's fascinating. Well done. And with the Saudi setup, so did you get a, a Saudi f- license? And then, you know, because how did you acquire uh, 
properties there? Yeah, we have a we have a Saudi company. Yeah. So we have a partner in Saudi um, um, who are one of the largest developers over there, and they're our business partners, and uh, we have a license with them, and uh, that's how we operate. And they've got inventory, and they go like that. That's right. And uh, so, how does the how do the fees work? Is it like Airbnb, where the customer uh, books per day and adds how many people and all that sort of stuff? So. Um, the customer books through different OTAs and they, they say how many people they want and they pay the OTA management fee. We charge the property owners a service charge. Mm. And our service fee is from 17% up to 25%, depending on the contract you take. Okay, what's the difference? The length of contract and the services okay. you want from us. Okay, uh, in terms of cleaning and all that sort of stuff? No, so, I mean, you can we, we can give you a flexible contract where you can terminate within 30 days and you're not responsible for anything after that. Mm. Obviously, that comes at a higher cost. Um, but, or we can give you a contract where you're locked in for a period of two years with no termination, and then you pay as little as 17%. And do you also, as well as managing the guests and the income and giving it back to the owner, the revenue that they make, uh, minus the charge, do you also manage... Uh, the other maintenance things that are required to manage that property. So, so we, we give a complete hassle-free experience to the owner. They don't have to do anything. We take care of their service charges. We take care, I mean, on their behalf, right? So mm. we take care of the due bills. We take care of the maintenance. Um, if there's a problem with the developer and the property, we deal with that. So we handle everything for them. So they've got a, they've got a hassle-free experience. Mm. And, and how has it gone and since 2018 in terms of now, like obviously there's been a the, the bounce back after the pandemic, you were full anyway, but it's been amazing economy-wise. We hear of occupancy rates in hotels. How, how has your business gone? We've grown 100% for the last four years. Year um, on year? Yeah, year on year. And, Huge. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, been, it's, been, it's, been it's been it's been a lot of fun, but it's also come with its own challenges. Yeah. We're not going to do 100% this year. Um, I don't know what we're going to close at, um, but it's definitely not going to be 100% because we consciously don't want to grow that. Um, it's unsustainable in any... It, well, I, I think what's happened is, you know, when you go from, let's say, uh, I, I think zero to one million dollar business, um, you have different challenges, one to three million different, three to five different, and five to ten different, and then ten, to ten million dollars plus different. And then you've got to bring in different management layers and different styles, you've got to change your leadership and stuff. And I think as we've crossed a certain, a certain barrier, we realized, hang on a second, we need to build our, we had a great team, but our great team could take us up to a certain level. Mm. Now we need, we need C-level executives. You know, we need, we need directors. We need, we need, we need guys who are gonna run, uh, run certain individual departments. And that's what our focus has been on this year, is to build a team for the next five, seven years, um, rather than growth this year. We still wanna grow, we're still gonna grow. We are ahead of last year already. Um, but we wanna just make sure we get our team built well. So we're fo my focus is on building that, and we also, we had a lot of real estate, which we took on four or five years ago, where owners weren't willing to or didn't want to reinvest in upgrading the property. So we've kind of let those properties go mm. because we want to keep a certain premium. We want to operate in the luxury space. Mm. Um, and for Expo, we took on a lot of properties in Dubai South, um, which we were, we were blessed in a way that Expo got delayed for, for, for the time it did, and those stayed on with us. But we realized soon after that, that their occupancy and the ADRs just, and make it viable to operate. ADR so is? Average daily rates. Yeah. So we kind of let those go as well. So this year is more of a year of take a step back, rebuild the business, re restructure the management. Um, we have a brand new leadership team in we're building at the moment. You know, we have a CFO for the first time. We have a CTO for the first time, which is great because they're both really taking 
the time I used to spend on that away allowing me to focus, my focus is really on Saudi now. So um, um, that's been great. Yeah, and just comparing the, you know, how do you compare the profit margins with a hotel? Like when this is a hospitality business, how, how do you compare this with others in term, and also occupancies? Do you, do you benchmark yourself like that? Uh, so profitability against a hotel, we don't at all. Um, I think um, we, we are a profitable business. We've been profitable for the last three years with 100% growth. So that's something I've personally wanted to focus on maintaining a healthy EBITDA. Um, we're very different to hotels. You know, I, I consider us alternative accommodation in the hospitality space. Um, I think there's a demand for, for consumers wanting to stay in an alternative type of accommodation. Um, some, there's some, some guests who only want to stay in hotels, and good for them. But there's some guests who want to get away from a 300 square, meter, square feet room, you know, and wait in line for a lift and wait in line for a check-in, and this suits them more. Yeah. So we do benchmark occupancy in the country against hotels a bit, but nothing else really. Okay, and uh, did you take investment? Did you invest and, and uh, ownership is a private? Yeah, so India is 100% owned um, by my wife and I. Dubai is 100% owned by my wife and I. We bootstrapped it up till now. Um, Saudi, we have, we have an investor. Yeah, uh, it's a great success story. That's really good. And do you reinvest the profits each year into the business? Yeah, yeah. We haven't bought anything fancy yet. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And yeah, so what's your, you know, on this podcast in the past, we've had uh, companies who do this. And it was at the early stage. There was Maison Privé, there was Townsend and, and something. Uh, there was companies like that. And uh, it was very interesting to see how Dubai was sort of uh, embracing this, like you touched on with the regulation, it was embracing to this holiday home. Uh, you know, 2023 now, how do, how do we compare with other cities? Um, I, I think Dubai still has a long growth to go. I mean, the, 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 the market grew 150 or 180% over the last 12 months. There, because there's no, because um, uh, the economic department has made getting a license much easier than it was in the past, Anybody with five properties, ten properties is setting up a holiday home company. Yeah, um, I think I think what's what's important to understand is it's a it's a hospitality business. You're taking care of guests, not people who just own twenty properties who are real estate people. Uh, it's definitely not a real estate play, and 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 and, and no disrespect to my real estate friends, but. Um, we would never come in and open a real estate company even though we get tons of inquiries for real estate um, because we're not realtors. We don't understand the game. Mm. And it's the same with our industry. Um, uh, you know, y you have people saving up years to come to Dubai and spend 10 days, two weeks over Christmas with their family and spend a lot of money. Now, they deserve a certain amount of support and a certain amount of respect for the money they're spending. And a real estate company would, you know, for them it's a piece of real estate. It's check in, check out, and that's it. For us, it's the experience you create for that guest during their stay. And that's why our focus is all on guest review scores. And that's why we have the highest review scores in Dubai. Mm. Um, so so a, lot of, a lot of companies have sprouted up and, you know, they're, they're realtors or they're small real estate agents or they're big real estate agents. And, you know, they see it as, oh, instead of earning 5% commission, I can earn 15% commission. But they don't realize the back-end work that goes into it. it. You can't just outsource a cleaning company, X, Y, Z, and tell them to clean every check-in, check-out, and an engineering company to go fix it. I mean, you can, but then you're playing at the very bottom end of the market. And I think there's a lot of those come in over the last couple of years, and uh, that's seen supply go crazy. Um, and uh, I think you're going to see a complete consolidation happening over the next 12 to 18 months because the demand hasn't followed. 
right? You have 25,000 holiday homes available in Dubai today, mm. but you don't have 20 people for 25,000 properties available. Mm. So, so those guys are all of a sudden suffering because they can't fill the rooms anymore, right? Because they're relying on Airbnb or Booking.com and that's it. Airbnb, Booking.com is not going to fill your properties and it's not going to get you the business you want. You have to invest. You have to have a sales team. You have to be going out and getting offline business. You have to work with channel managers. You have to have a dynamic pricing. You can't just say, I'm going to charge $100 a night throughout the year or $100 during low season and $150 during uh, peak season. Mm. We change our rates every day. Our pro all properties change their rates every day based on what everyone else in the market's doing. Mm. So it is a really intensive business. I mean, we don't have 70 people just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. And why do you think real estate owners do it? Do they think that their existing business's margin is challenged and they have to look for additional revenue streams? Or are they just trying to be opportunistic? They're just trying to be opportunistic because they, the, they have the supply base, right? They have the pool of real estate and they have the customer who has that real estate. So they think it's easy to convert, but they're not taking... And, and of course, look at the margin difference. They have got. They charge five percent here. They can charge fifteen percent or ten percent. That's double or triple. Or seventeen or twenty-five percent. Well, our average is twenty percent. Yeah. And I think if you go out and you look at the professionally managed companies, our competitors, they all charge between twenty and twenty-five percent. It's a, the minute you go below twenty percent, you're going to lose money. Hmm. And then you really need to think: Do I want to give my real estate to a company who's losing money? And what kind of condition are they going to keep it in? And what am I going to get back from them? Yeah. You know, so, so the realtors have really, the real estate company has really driven that price down. Um, I think they will start to realize that they need a full team behind them to support this business. And it's not just about putting a guest in and putting a guest out and uh, using, you know, as square footage basis. So the ones who do invest in their team can turn it into business. The ones who don't will go back to what they were doing before. 100%. And, and you know, there, there, there is a real estate company out there who have done really well. I don't want to take any names, but, um, you know, they're a good holiday home company as well. But they've set up a separate division. They have, they have close to 70, 80 people working for them, and they only do holiday homes, that division. So the real estate passes them the leads, and they run it really well. Hmm. And holiday homes... Uh, you know, tourism, obviously, again, since the pandemic, Dubai has sort of exploded. But we constantly hear of new hotels opening all the time, uh, new projects opening. Is there a, a risk of oversaturation? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, think, I think Dubai is very seasonal, right? So from, from late October, early November till, till Easter... Um, you can open up as many hotels as you want in Dubai. You can have as many holiday homes as you want. They're going to fill up, right? So that's not the issue. But it's from Easter till end of October, what do you do? And you go to some of the hotels now in Dubai, and they're running at 50% off, 70% off. Mm. You know, and they're running at 20% occupancy. Mm. And that's the same with holiday homes. You know, we, we, the, market, the market in the month of June was close to about 30% occupancy overall. Um, that's not that's not a high enough occupancy to sustain and operate a business, and that's where companies need to understand the OTAs aren't going to fill you. You have to have your own way of getting business as well. How do you uh, manage your business in the low season in the summer? So we're, we're we're lucky because we have a lot of direct business. So we, we, we market to our customers who have stayed with us before, so they come back and stay with us. And the clientele might change. It might be a business traveler. It might be a leisure traveler. 
Oh, the client over the summer and over the winter is completely different, and our service offerings change. Mm. You know, I mean, um, out in the out, out the winter, the rates are three times more than the summer. So you pull out everything and you offer the guests all kinds of luxury from airport pickup, daily cleaning, daily breakfast, free gifts, you name it, we do it. In the summer, it's more of a no-frills um, airline kind of a service, right? Where you come down to a base rate and then you charge on top for everything. That's interesting that you do airport pickups and everything like that. Yeah. But because, you know, the the term, and it's on bright yellow on your, on your football jersey, like B&B is bed and breakfast and, you know, it's... In certain parts of the world, uh, higher end service on that are, are the are the the great homes of the country, right? They're guest houses. They've got good food. They're very authentic. Um, is that a bit of the sort of? Do you want to bring that back rather than the Airbnb approach? Do you want to bring the sort of uh, that warm feel that an Airbnb that a bed and breakfast used to have? That's exactly what we want to bring back, and that's why we say holiday homes by hoteliers. Um, uh, you know, if you if you go to the north of the UK or you go to Germany, thirty years ago you would stay at a B and B me at mm. a B and B, right? Sorry, and um, that would be run by a family, yeah. And that would be some of the best be- breakfast you could get because it was home cooked food. And um, when you go into the bedroom and you go to sleep, it's some of the nicest rooms because they're they're like family home rooms, yeah. And that's what we want to create. We our, our whole philosophy is creating a home like experience with the facilities of a, of, a, of a hotel and a luxury resort. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. And I think you need to come at a place of passion for it to be able to get the good product. But talk to me a little bit about the, uh, the homeowner. So what decision process do they go through? The, co- the people who are giving you the inventory, are they, cl- are they you know, uh, numbers people? Are they looking at yields? Or what, what's the decision process to that? Well, most of our property owners are all investors, right? We have very few people who are who have bought a property, have a bought a second home, have a mortgage on it, and are giving it to us as an individual. Most of our people have got a few million dollars, put it in, and are looking for an ROI. Um, and many of them even flip the properties and repurchase and rebuy. Um, and and we work very closely with them. You know, we guide them on what to buy. Um, because we understand what kind of property at this time of the market is getting a better yield and what it's going to look like in the future. Um, so we guide them on that. We do the interiors for them so that they don't have to worry about it because we understand what the customer wants in terms of a look and feel. You don't have to go out and buy a Fendi co- couch, but you can buy a knockoff version, um, if I'm allowed to say that, uh, or something similar. Um, it doesn't have to be the most premium leather, but it, can, it has to look like it's the most premium leather, but it has to be comfortable. Hmm. Right, so we can guide and we advise them on that. And um, we generally talk to investors about looking at a three-year horizon um, because if you want to, and we always say, compare us to the long term over three years, compare us to a general investment over three years, right? And, we, and you know, for some Indian investors, we've offered them 100% return over five years. 100% return as in compounded yields? Like on- so they, they invested half a million dollars five years ago? In, and this year we've paid them out a million dollars. Wow. They've not received anything else in, 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 in between. Um, and all the costs of everything is included in that half a million dollars. Wow. So when you say three years, they can trust you and they cannot get the, the monthly check sort of thing or that no, so, check. So what, the, the Indian investment is we did, we did a couple of one-off investments yeah. where we said 
uh, Indian rupees, you pay us a mi- 10 million Indian rupees, in five years you'll get 20 million back. Mm. Right? And that, that's specific for Indian investors at a rupee investment. Um, but gen- generally our investors over here look at a three-year horizon and um, um, year one they probably get anywhere between 6 to 8% and then it goes up to let's say 8 to 12 and then it goes up 12 to 15 or 16%. Mm. Because we have high repeat guests, the second year is always better than the first year and the third year is always better than the second year. Um, it does take a little bit to get started. So the first three to six months, um, the ramp up time is a little bit slower. Um, but uh, if it's furnished well, like if it's furnished according to our guidelines and the areas as per our specifications, then the returns is not an issue. What are the good areas? Um, downtown obviously is, is, is what Dubai is built around. Downtown, Palm, JBR. Uh, we've seen JVC do really well recently. We've seen Dubai JLT do really well. Um, specific buildings in downtown, which people don't know about, um, do really well. I mean, you can get double digits from year one onwards. Okay, wow. Um, so a little bit about you know Airbnb itself, because uh, you know it's obviously been a storied sort of company in terms of the sharing economy and and that sort of thing. And then it went through sort of business challenges during the pandemic. Uh, you know, everyone's traveling now, it's probably doing a bit better, but it has, um, it has impacts on some of the cities that it, that it gets proliferated in, right? Like, you know, Dublin and Ireland, where I'm from, uh, it's had a real negative impact on uh, shortage of property in the city because it's hard, as students, it's hard to get rent. Uh, people are, are managing Airbnbs for people and things like that. And it's, it's creating a, a sort of a, a difficult knock-on effect on the housing uh, situation in those places. Uh, do you think it's positive or negative net? Look, I think Airbnb is a great business partner. And I think the, 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 the scenario you just described in Dublin is a great environment for an investor. Because if there's a shortage of housing, that means prices are going up. That means I can buy something and I'm going to make a good return. Um, uh, students don't have to live in the middle of the city. right? They mm. can head more out. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> so if, if they have to be the, the collateral damage, if you say, <laughs> then so be it. But you're creating, Airbnb's created an economy. It's created an industry. Our livelihood is thanks to Airbnb today. I mean, they're, they're a great business partner. And um, I don't understand all of this, you know, that, uh, oh, they're creating real estate prices to go up. But that's what you want, right? You buy a home, you don't want the price to go down. You want the price to go up. You want to be able to make a good return on it. Mm. And thanks to them, that's possible today. Yeah, but some people can't afford houses or can't afford rent and things like that. I'm a capitalist, so <laughs> so you're asking me a very difficult question there to be in a diplomatic way, but that's part of life, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, not everybody can afford to live in Zone One in London in Knightsbridge. Yeah, they need to reduce their expectations. Well, and they move out of London, and then the other and the and the Greater London grows. Yeah, right. You go to Manhattan. Not everybody can live on Fifth Avenue or near Central Park, hmm. right? And then they go Greater Greater New York grows. Same with Dublin, you know, not everyone's going to live, I've not been to Dublin, but not everyone's going to be living in the city centre, and then Dublin's going to grow as a city. So over time, that's going to benefit the city more than anything else, because the more you grow and expand the city, the more real estate grows outside, the more businesses come up, the more restaurants come up, the more corner shops come up, and, and, and everyone, it's, it's an economy that's being generated, so I think it's great. And it provides a cheaper service, it, you know, from an individual, okay, uh, they can they can stay places and cities for cheaper than they used to if they can't afford the hotel. I, I wouldn't use the word cheaper. We price ourselves higher than hotels. 
Yeah. Um, if, if you look at some of our properties, I mean, you can't compare it to a hotel, first of all, because I, there's nowhere in Dubai which can give you a, a hotel, cannot give you a four-bedroom apartment um, um, downtown, right? You'll have to take a presidential suite, which will charge you crazy money. But if you take four individual rooms versus our four-bedroom apartment, the four-bedroom apartment is more expensive. But you're not going to get that with a living room downtown in any hotel. So you can't, it's not apples to apples. Hmm. And what about the hotel industry then? Uh, you know, how do you see that industry in general? Um, look, I'm friends with a lot of the GMs um, and, and, and we talk very openly about how they're doing versus how we're doing. Uh, I, think, I think the hotels have a great future in Dubai. Um, uh, I think there's some fantastic new hotels coming up. I think the hotels have changed their game over the last 10 years in Dubai. Um, they're, they're operating at a much higher level than they were 10 years ago. And just like us, I think they have to work harder to get their guest. And they have to do something to get the guest to come back and stay with them. And that's what we're all trying to work on. And the business uh, that you had before, uh, are you tempted to set that up again? Are you kind of, are you incorporate for your business, are you doing the supplies obviously yourself? So some of that's incorporated, but do you think that that business could thrive and prosper now as well? I, so I sold that business um, two years ago, a year ago. And um, I think that oh, the guy who bought it from me is doing fairly well. Uh, there's a huge demand. The occupancy levels are really high. So yeah, that's a great. That would be a great business to be in. But B and B me is uh, my wife's and my baby, and uh, we really want to nurture this, and we really want to. You know, we, we. I was having a conversation with a with a potential investor this morning, and he he asked me a question. He's like, the problem with your business is there's no moat, right? And I said, that's not true. We're building a moat. And he's mm -hmm. like, what's your moat? And I said, our moat is a 9.0 on Booking.com review score, a 4.9 on Airbnb. Our guest satisfaction score is our moat. And he says, how so? I said, well, in three years to five years, if we consistently remain at those review scores, we've built a brand that someone's ready to pay a premium for to come and stay at. And I told him, I said, look, when you go on vacation, you want to stay at a Four Seasons. Why? Because they offer you a certain service level. You want to stay at a hotel in India because they offer you a certain service level. You know what to expect. We're going to do that for the holiday homes industry in the Middle East. We want to build a brand where somebody stays with B&B Me, they know what they're going to expect. They know they're going to get down feather pillows. They're going to know they're going to get a clean room. They know they're going to get fresh amenities. They know they're going to get a certain service level. And that's going to be our moat. That's brilliant. I think some people misunderstand moats because they think... It, it means you can't be copied, but a moat means that you're entrenched, that you just, that you're so entrenched you can't be moved. Yeah. Of course you can be copied. Yeah. You know, we were talking after the, before the show about threads and social media, yeah. and, uh, you know, it was said when they launched that, oh, this is going to create app cloning wars where everyone is going to set up the opposite to the competitors. So now YouTube are going to set up a Twitter, or Snapchat's going to set up a Twitter, <laughs> or TikTok's going to set up a Twitter. But the reason why they can't is because Meta and Mark Zuckerberg, and the moat that they have is their network effect and their ability to launch social apps, because that's their DNA, and that's their moat. Well, I would go one step further. I would say their moat is to gain scale and users faster than anybody else. I mean, what you said, Thread reached 100 million in, in five days, that's their moat to me. Right? Yeah. If, if YouTube go out and set up 
uh, Twitter type, thread type app, how long is it going to take them to get to 100? They can't growth hack the way Meta can, and that's their moat. I, I, in, in the similar industry, you know, 10 years ago, Google launched Google Plus, uh, which was a social network, and they did growth hack it, but they just didn't know what they were doing. No, no. So, you know, they could create some hype, but they just don't know how to sustain it. Like, Facebook have levers that they haven't switched on yet, Meta have, that they know how to sustain this growth that exactly. won't drop off in the way that, say, Clubhouse dropped up or, or something like that. But no, it's fascinating that you're sort of building a brand, but, you know, and, and the structure that the marketing team team or, or in India, etc. But th there is a lot of work to do around that, you know, like, th it's hard, isn't it, right, to get that top of mind and to, to the reviews are good. But, uh, you know, I hadn't heard of B&B, &B, like, you know, so how do you sort of cut through, I guess? Yeah, uh, it, there's a lot of work. Um, we don't spend any marketing on the um, customer generation yet. Um, we spend all our money on homeowner acquisition and we spend a lot of money on customer retention so if you stayed with us before yeah. we ask you to come stay back we let the OTAs bring us the guests the first time that's why you may not have heard of us yeah. um, but uh, if you would have stayed with us you, you we, would, we, we would keep that's strategic you. and that's smart that, you, I, you get that yeah yeah, and, that, and that's what we're building. That's that's the goal we're getting at. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Saudi as well because it's um it's a huge opportunity, right? Uh, you know, Riyadh itself and your choice to be there. It, it's three times the size of Dubai in terms of population, and the tourism numbers that are projected in across the kingdom are more than than here. So, uh, yeah, are you going to move there? <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time I went and visited uh, Riyadh last year, we, we said, okay, we're going to start looking at it. I came back and I told my wife, listen, we have to move to Riyadh. I love the city. It yeah. was, it was, it was, I, I went there 10 years ago and I went there now and it's very different. I went to some fantastic restaurants. Uh, I was there for a week in my first trip. I had five dinners with five different Saudi nationals. Mm. Um, uh, they're super hospitable, um, super warm. Everybody's so friendly. Um, that's why we have a business there today because that first trip just led me on to connections, 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 and we started up. We're super excited about Saudi. Um, the guests, we have a lot of Saudi guests. They're the number one nationality that stays with us in Dubai. So we've, we've understood their likes and dislikes over the last five years, and yet we have a 9.0 because they book through booking.com. And if you go and ask anybody else in the industry, they'll say Saudis are the most difficult guests. Yes, they're the most difficult, but the most difficult are the easiest to please. Because if you understand what their need is and you satisfy that need, you're sorted. And then they're loyal. They won't go anywhere else. We have guests that are staying with us in the same property for the last four years, every year or every time they come here. Brilliant. So that's why we decided to move and grow Saudi. Amazing. And so we're coming to the end, but I asked you about a husband and wife team. Was your wife also in the hospitality sector or what's her skill set compared to what you do? So my, my wife is the complete opposite of me. Um, I, I barely managed to finish my undergraduate. I did engineering in footwear and business and finance. She's an MBA. She worked for BlackRock Fund, mutual funds. Um, she's worked for investment banks. So she, she comes from that perspective. Um, when I was running Unique Precise, it was my father's in my business. And she was she helped out here and there, but she was more take with young, uh, kids were young at that time. Um, but with B and B, me, she's really been the pillar. She's been the, the the strength that's led the growth and led us led us to our stability. Stability, um, and I I think whatever my weaknesses are, her strengths, and so we actually operate as one person mm. rather than two different people. 
That's really good. That's amazing. Uh, so lastly, uh, what's your view on this region in terms of an emerging market, like the, the Gulf, the wider Gulf, Middle East, North Africa? Uh, are you optimistic about the sort of next decade? I think this is the place to be. Um, I, can't, I can't think of any place globally uh, which would be better. And I, I think it comes down to the leadership. You know, you have to credit, you have to credit the leadership of, of, of the UAE, of Dubai. Um, uh, the pandemic could have gone south and they could have really made decisions which took Dubai back 10 years, 15, 20 years. But they didn't. They took decisions which have put Dubai on top of the hill. Everybody in the world wants to be in Dubai. Everybody in the world is talking about Dubai. Mm. And um, um, I think a lot of credit goes to them. And I don't see, at least for the next 10, 15 years, with the vision that they have, and especially with the vision with Saudi coming up, um, um, you know, with some of the stuff Bahrain's doing, you know, I flew Gulf, Gulf Air recently and I was at Bahrain Airport. What an airline, what an airport, you know. Mm. Um, Qatar, with what Qatar's done with Oman, I mean, this is the best place to be in the world. There's no doubt about that. Brilliant, positive note to finish on. Vinayak, thank you so much for telling us the story. We'll follow BNB, ME, me in the future and good luck with all your success. Listen, I look forward to your likes on my Instagram post. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when I, I'll review, I'll stay in Saudi and Riyadh on my next trip. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks, thank Richie. Thanks a lot. What an impressive guy, husband and wife team. Uh, really enjoyed talking to Vinayak. Uh, really inspiring story. I love those stories where they bootstrap it and they build it themselves and it's a passion project. Uh, so definitely one to watch out for and uh, one to recommend to people when they want to stay in Dubai and have that custom guest house experience. Uh, thank you to the people who put this show together. So Ali Khalil and Shahir Al Kindi and to the team on Love in Dubai who push out this as articles. Um, this, of course, is a Smashy production, part of the Augustus Media Podcast Network. You can watch it on Smashy.tv, on all apps, smart TV apps, wherever you want. Uh, it's also available, of course, on the uh, podcast apps, which you may be listening to. Uh, please do like, comment, subscribe. Uh, we, are, we go live every week at 11 a.m. on the app. Uh, there's a free trial if you want to check that out. Uh, and uh, it's also, of course, available then on Friday afternoons as a podcast. And then it's written about uh, on Love and Dubai and vertical videos on Smashy Business Instagram. You can check out Smashy Business Instagram. It's where all the startup news uh, happens. Uh, so uh, and you can get involved there. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another guest also in this sec sector as well. So uh, tune in for that, too.